Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Nathan Lear and I'm with my co-host of the podcast, Glenn Fairburn. Glenn and I are both directors and advisors at Hewison Private Wealth. As always, our objective on this podcast is to improve financial literacy and awareness and hopefully bring topics to you each week that are of interest. Today, we have a chat about the whole concept around downsizing one's property to unlock equity. Um, mainly relevant for people that are perhaps asset rich with um, a large value in their property and uh, and cash flow poor or income poor. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors podcast. Um, this week, we wanted to have a bit of a chat about options for um, retirees or people approaching retirement who, who perhaps haven't accumulated a substantial amount in superannuation and maybe sort of looking at the fact that they might need to rely on the age pension in retirement. Um, and I suppose for many people, the maximum age pension for a couple, around $30,000 a year, they, they may, that may be a significant reduction in what they've been earning as salaries um, for most of their working life. So there's a lot of compromises that they need to make. Um, but I suppose what we wanted to chat about today was really what options do they have um, as far as trying to increase the level of income that they're able to live off in retirement. Um, And I suppose for a lot of people, you know, if if we're talking about baby boomers who are closer to retirement um, or or in retirement, given the strength in the property market over probably their working life, a a lot of um, those pre-retirees probably have substantial equity in their homes, depending on where they're living and, and so forth. So um, we just wanted to have a bit of a chat today about what are the options to release some of that equity, to utilize the equity that they have in their homes, um, to potentially look at, at perhaps improving their their lifestyle in retirement. Um, so is, is there anything sort of just off, off the top, Nathan, that you think most people would be thinking about as far as what, what's my first option with regards to looking at releasing equity in my house? Sure, Glenn. I think the probably the most common one that, that that comes up is the old downsize of your of your property. Yeah. Where where people uh, have have a substantial asset in their family home, and as you mentioned, um, you know baby baby boomers, for example, that have um, owned property have seen significant increases in the value over the past 20, 30 years. So uh, usually, it's in some cases, most cases, it could be their biggest asset. Um, so an opportunity is to to sell sell that property and perhaps purchase a, a lower value property. Um, you know, for example, they might you know, kids might have grown up, moved out of home, so it just might be the um, you know the, the couple there, so they they can afford to move in afford. They don't need a bigger such a big house, so they can go into a, a townhouse or an apartment, perhaps. So um, you know the old example, they might have a house worth a million dollars. They could. They could sell it, move into something for five hundred thousand dollars, unlock five hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, equity to try and uh, either spend or generate an income stream from. And it's a pretty emotional decision, isn't it, for a lot of people who perhaps, you know, have lived in their family home for for decades. It, it can be a pretty difficult um, issue to deal with, can't it? I mean, you know, a lot of people from even whether it's emotional, um, a pride sort of thing. A lot of people just, I suppose, are reluctant to do that, aren't they? Because it, it is very much a emotional decision but having said that it it makes not a lot of financial sense when you've got a significant asset that's obviously got a, a large amount of monetary value um, and then you're living 
on, on the age pension, which you know, I mean, a lot of people would agree isn't going to provide a very you know strong standard of living. So I think it's just all a matter of um, weighing up the pros and cons of all those scenarios, isn't it? And just saying, well, yes, I can retain this house that perhaps we've lived in, got a lot of memories, but there's a financial cost in in doing that, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it is a big financial, uh, a big psychological, emotional decision and i mean I, I know i've personally been through this and seen this with many clients because um yeah i think as you mentioned glenn like people could spend you know decades and decades in this property and and a lot of memories and and even just all the uh you know all the all the you know contents and uh, knickknacks they've built up in their home over the years you know, even just clearing that out it's a pretty pretty big thing isn't it yeah absolutely and look, i suppose the it's important to talk about the upside in that as you were saying if, if in that example where they've got a million dollar house and they can buy a half a million dollar property if if you can sort of release that equity then our sort of rule of thumb with a diverse portfolio if you can generate around five percent in income and get some capital growth on top of that then with that half a million dollars you could potentially generate an extra twenty five thousand dollars a year in income um, on top of whatever your pension entitlement will be but um, i suppose it's important to bear in mind there that that particular strategy where you are downsizing can have age pension implications as well can't it yeah i mean we're not all i guess if somebody's downsizing um they're not always in receipt of an age pension necessarily but if if they are in receipt of an age pension um and basically you're unlocking equity and and from your home and turning that into a financial asset it is going to have um an implication for for your age pension um because just to quickly explain how that works the the family home is an exempt asset. So you could have a, a home worth an unlimited amount of money, millions of dollars, and it is not uh, counted in Centrelink testing for, for your assets. Um, but once you uh, sell it and, and unlock equity, that equity that you unlock is going to be counted as a financial asset. So it does, it does. I, I guess there's no kind of clear-cut uh, way in terms of which, is, which way is the best way to do it because um, you need to look at the reduction of your pension and then if you unlock equity and invest that money and generate income, uh, weigh that up against what income that amount of money would generate. So there's, a, I guess, a bit of analysis that needs to be done. Yeah, and that's where, as we always say, we're really just talking in generic terms here. Um, and and if, if you are someone who's looking at that option, it is important to look at what the implications are going to be because you know, without doing the sums, it, it may be that you're better off releasing less equity so you can get the maximum pension as opposed to releasing more equity, having more accessible assets and your pension being reduced. So mm. th- th- there is a bit of a, um, I suppose, a fine line as to what the best outcome for you is. Mm. Um, and that's where you really need to consult an advisor who's got expertise in this area to, to give you the best the best outcome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> and um, I might just mention it now, Glenn, because it popped in my head. One one thing I've recently seen with, with clients that have been looking to downsize uh, I mean, we're in we're in the Melbourne market here, so it is difficult to potentially find a a lower value property. Um, a, so quite often, the reason people want to downsize um, is to unlock equity, but also for a lower a, a property with lower maintenance. So they might be in that big that big family home on a block um, and want to move into a, a townhouse, but. Let's say they sell the property for um, the big family home on the big block for a million dollars. It might be a little bit run down, you know, needs a bit of work, and they buy a brand new uh, townhouse or two on the block type of arrangement where it might be 
you know, $800,000 anyway. And by the time you're paying stamp duty, yeah, exactly. you're not actually unlocking a lot of equity. That's right. It's got to be a worthwhile thing, doesn't it? Because as you were saying, I mean, if, you, if, if your intention is to say, oh, we can sell this million dollar property and maybe buy a $750,000 property and we'll have a couple hundred thousand, when you take into account all the costs, mm. it's got to be a worthwhile exercise, doesn't it? Yeah, like st- stamp duty, um, uh, moving costs, you know, fur- often people want to upgrade their furniture. Yeah. It yeah. can become an expensive exercise, can't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and look, I suppose that sort of leads into what are some of the other options um, that, that people have. And it's probably becoming more and more common. Um, and, and one of those options is a reverse mortgage, where essentially you own your home, you go to the bank, they provide you with a loan. Now, the difference between a reverse mortgage and a general home loan or, or personal loan is that the interest on that reverse mortgage is capitalized. So it's added to the loan each year. So for, for a pensioner, the reason why that can be fairly attractive is that you don't have that regular repayment that you have to make. Um, so it, it is a way where you don't have to sell your home. You can keep your house, um, release some, of, some cash from the property. Um, and I suppose for a lot of people who are asset rich, income poor, that can be an option, but there's I suppose issues to take into account with that as well, which are fairly similar to downsizing, um, but the big difference being that you can remain in the home. Um, but I suppose, look, Nathan, the biggest risk there is that if you do it too early, um, it can erode a lot of the equity in your house, can't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. Often reverse mortgages are frowned upon, and look, they can be they can be dangerous because if you do if you do do the sums on um, you know the the the, the interest. The, com- the negative compounding of interest, I think that's the right way to put it, where it just gets worse and worse each year because yeah, obviously absolutely. you're paying more interest each year. And if you do the sums on it, um, especially as time goes on, um, it can be a significant amount of money that, that accumulates in debt. Um, and yeah, hopefully well, the worst case situation would be if, if, if you run out of capital and in, or the value of your property, you run out of capital there. But also for your... You know, you're the beneficiaries of your estate. You know, children, for example, there might not be much left over. Yeah, so. and, and that's where you know, once again, there's there's no size fits all. There's there's financial implications, but I mean, the important point that you raised there is it depends on what your estate planning objective is as well. And yeah. everyone's different. Some people on one extreme will say, "Well, I, I'm going to spend whatever I need to spend. If there's something left for the kids or the beneficiaries, great." Other people are more on the other extreme where they might say, well, I want to preserve as much as I can for the kids. Whereas there's probably a lot of people in the middle where they just say, well, if there's something left in the end, great. If not, well, that's just the, the nature of how, how it goes. But um, exactly, I mean, with, with the reverse mortgage, um, the, the risk there is that you do erode a lot of the capital. And that's where I've, I've had, you know, I just had a discussion with a client this week um, about a reverse mortgage. They had a few hundred thousand dollars in super. We're in their 70s and... You know, don't have any beneficiaries, and really we're exploring options where they could, you know, take advantage of their health situation as it was right now. I mean, their their comments were, look, you know, we're we're in our seventies, we're we're healthy now, we want to enjoy life while we can, uh, and then maybe we'll taper that off um, later in life. Um, but they were in a position where they did have other financial assets. So in that particular example, I said, look, you're probably better off utilizing the resources that you've got because yes, there's always a chance that you could you know, die tomorrow, but, you know, the the the, um, the odds are probably in your favor where you're probably more likely to live longer and most people live, well, half the people live beyond average life expectancy and the risk is that if you do start too early, then you can erode a lot of that capital pretty quickly, can't you? 
Mm. Um, so, so I do think that it, it's not a one-size-fits-all model. You need to look at your own situation. Um, and the reverse mortgage, I think you would agree, Nathan, that it's probably best that that is most likely considered later, later in life. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. With the the well, you, you can't move, and you know, there's restrictions. You, maybe you know, someone elderly, it, it doesn't make sense for them to move to a smaller property, and for whatever reasons. Yeah, I think that the negative compounding impact, and also uh, interest rates. I mean, interest rates are record lows, aren't they, at the moment? So if they spike up. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and, and property prices might fall, so you might have mm. falling property prices, increasing interest rates then your equity is going to be eroded pretty quickly. Yeah, and banks, you know, banks obviously are very conservative. So if, if they if they run out of equity uh, on these loans, I'm sure a time could come where they'll call in on the loan. And also, the it just popped in my head then, Glenn, the age pension implications as well. I would have thought if you're unlocking equity. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, that, that'll turn into an asset. Well, it's almost like the same as, as downsizing, isn't it? The only difference yep. is you get to stay in your house and you don't... Yeah. Um, and you, obviously, you've got that interest cost, but you're right. I mean, it's... There are Centrelink implications. So if you do perhaps draw out as much as you can, there are limitations of the banks aren't going to lend you 100% of the value of your house. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, you've got to be wary of the of the age pension implications of, of that for sure. Um, another thing, another option which has actually been around for a, a long time, but I suppose gained traction um, with the budget announcement this year is is the um, pension loan scheme. Um, so so the pension loan scheme is is offered by um, the federal government, um, and it, it it basically operates in a very similar way to a reverse mortgage, uh, where it, it's available at the moment to part pensioners, and it enables you to borrow an amount from the government. Um, there's a fixed rate of interest, um, and what it enables part pensioners to do is is top up their pension up to the maximum pension. So if you're getting if you're a couple and you're getting twenty thousand dollars a year in part pension, the pension loan scheme enables you to top that up to the maximum, which might be around ten thousand um, so, dollars. So that's how it's operating at the moment. Um, at the and just on that point with regards to topping up to the maximum, it is a fortnightly payment, so it's a little bit restricted and hasn't really been used that much. Um, but from from one July next year, it is going to be expanded to basically anyone of age pension age. Um, so full pensioners will be able to borrow up to fifty percent of the maximum rate of pension. So as I said, if, you, if the maximum pension is thirty thousand dollars, this particular scheme enables you to borrow another fifteen thousand dollars if you're a full pensioner. Um, part pensioners are able to withdraw a fortnightly payment up to the maximum of 150% of the full pension. So if the full pension is 30000 you can essentially draw a fortnightly payment in total of $45,000 a year. Um, now, the final one, which is probably um, a little bit more flexible, which relates to self-funded retirees, will enable them to borrow up to 150% of the fortnightly full age pension. So in that situation a self-funded retiree could potentially borrow from the government secured against their house, assuming the full pension's around 30000 150% of that, so around $45,000 each year, up, obviously up to a certain threshold. Um, I suppose the advantage with that is there's, there's lower cost perhaps than if you um, were to go to the bank um, and there's a fixed interest rate of 5.25%. So look, it is something the government's offering 
to a broader array of people now where it's, as i said before in the past it's really been limited to part pensioners um do you see any limitations with that compared to um the reverse mortgage or is it really just i suppose smaller amounts isn't it um yeah. and, and and lower costs i mean if, if you're looking at the the main benefits of that it, it's it it's i suppose not having to go to a bank isn't it really yeah yeah um so so yeah so look that that's just another scheme i suppose that people can consider that Centrelink's providing as i said it's fairly restrictive in the current financial year but from 1 july 19 um it will be open to a lot more people of of age pension age um just one final option, Nathan, that um, I'm not sure whether you've come across with clients before, but quite different to a reverse mortgage or the pension loan scheme is an equity release. Um, now, this particular option isn't widely offered um, and, and there is a couple of organizations that do offer this particular option. Um, but what this involves is you selling a fixed stake in your home um, to the financial institution in order to receive a lump sum. Um, the advantage being there's no ongoing interest payments, but the disadvantage being that the bank, for example, might take... So if you've got a million-dollar house um, and you want to release $100,000, you could sell 10% of your property um, to these commercial providers um, who, who would then provide you with $100,000. But then when the property is sold at some point in future, if, if that's sold for you know, $1.5 million in 10 years' time, then the amount that's owed to them is 10% of the, the property value. Mm. Um, so it, it is a different option, but something that is quite different to a um, to a reverse mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think, um, I, I know, yeah, HomeSafe, I'm sure we can mention it. HomeSafe is probably the, the leader in this field. Um, and I know that uh, I've seen a few ads recently. So obviously, maybe it's picking up a bit of traction. But yeah, look, I think that one potentially makes sense where... You are you're not really um, putting yourself or jeopardizing, um, you know, over a, if it goes on for a longer period of time with the reverse mortgages, where you can get that that interest component or the loan can really build up. Because, yeah, I suppose it's really weighing up the power of reverse compounding, where the interest is adding to the loan and you're getting more interest yeah. versus what's the growth in the property going to be. Yeah, it's probably I just feel this a bit safer. This one, yeah, and and look, there's I suppose just to just to close off, there's 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 no one size that fits all, um, but there's a number of different options um, that really need to be considered here. So just to wrap all that up, Nathan, what what what, what do you think is the best advice uh, for our listeners? I think, like we always say, Glenn, um, the best course of action is really dependent on the objectives of the the individual involved and. I mean, we've talked through a couple of options. Uh, always best to, um, well, firstly, perhaps speak to you know, speak to family and friends because it can be a big decision, especially around your your family home. So speak to your loved ones, um, and then perhaps lean on um, the the uh, guidance of professional advisors because, uh, yeah, there, there is you know several options. They can impact social security entitlements and things like that. So probably best that you do seek the help of a professional. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, thanks everyone for listening to this week's podcast. Hope you all found it um, insightful. As we always say, it's just of a general nature. So as Nathan um, was reiterating, make sure you seek um, advice to make sure you know, you're doing what's in your best interest and relates to your situation. So look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast. Um, via um, any good podcasting app 
Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.